being the festival of hand because of the title I put on this. I'm excited about this morning and uh, and the next few weeks. I don't know how long. Uh, I'm kind of hit, hit. I'm hitting. I'm rounding third base on this series on uh, on, uh, on the wisdom of God. But as I round third base, I'm going to be talking about during the day. I'll introduce it, and I'll, over the next couple of weeks, I got to be uh, uh, looking a little bit more specifically at each pillar. But I'm going to be talking about the seven pillars of wisdom, and I'm going to introduce that today. We're going to go over them briefly today, but I'm going to look at uh, them more intently in the weeks to come. I might even get into the first one today, depending on how, how I do with time. Uh, but anyway, so uh, just to kick it off, I want to return to uh, a couple of verses that are passage scriptures we've already introduced in this series. I'm going to tie this in as we kind of round third base here and uh, hit, uh, we deal with the, the pillars of wisdom. Um, I've enjoyed this series so far. I've, I've cleaned a lot of it myself. And it's something I've always wanted to teach on wisdom. Especially since I understand grace. I understand the gospel the way I understand it today. And I've never, I was always a little apprehensive of, of talking about wisdom because I didn't feel like I was the wisest one to talk about it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. But sometimes... But I've also learned in the years, I learn when I teach. Mm-hmm. And so, if I don't, uh, if I don't, if I, if I teaching it, I'm learning. And, uh, and it actually benefited me. And so, and uh, so I put a lot of study into it. A lot of my notes, I'll uh, be honest with that, have come from uh, Dwayne Sherrill. I've been listening to his teachings. But I've been listening to it, digesting it, and now wanting to teach it. Not to take away from him, but the, the scriptures teaching it. Mm-hmm. But I just I, I want this. I want to operate in it. I want to be able to teach it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I could very well easily just put him on the screen and show it, and it would be, and everyone would be blessed. Uh, but and uh, and that mean I wouldn't do that someday. And actually, in our earliest uh, second year, I will teach it that way. Uh, I'll let him just teach it. But uh, but I knew that this would be a good exercise for me to teach it right. and to uh, to get into the word and get into the nuts and bolts and teach it with my flavor in a sense. But uh, uh, the next the next series I'm going to do after we're done with this one, we'll have a message on Easter in April. But probably in May when we start the next one, I'm going to be talking about uh, seeing Jesus in the Revelation. Mm-hmm. I've never taught in the Book of Revelation um, since I've. Uh, so especially, with one book, I, uh, one message, I'm not going to so much be talking about end time events. I'm not going there. I'm going to be talking about Jesus, seeing Jesus in the Revelation. And I believe it's a, it's a book about the Revelation of Jesus. I think that will be a shorter series, but at that same point in time, uh, I'm gonna, that's my next one I'm, I'm working on. So just kind of give you a little uh, game plan of where I'm going with this. That's all subject to change. The Holy Spirit leads me another way. But uh, that's a, uh, because I, that's also another subject that I've also kind of shied away from. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want I don't want to get into all the end time stuff. I'm not against that. I just I'd rather preach the gospel, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd rather preach about His first coming. Because if we haven't embraced His first coming, there's no sense of one sense embracing His second coming. He's coming again, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not downplaying that at all. But I want people. I want to take as many people with me to his second coming. Uh, that makes sense? Mm-hmm. You know, our people that embrace his first coming and seeing Jesus in the Revelation. Anyway, we'll, we'll postpone that message for another time. But uh, 
our key verse that we've, uh, we've stemmed this whole message on, and the title of this message, Wisdom is the Principal Thing, comes from Proverbs 4, 7. It says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Uh, that means we have to go get it. It's not automatic. It doesn't, it doesn't just fall in your lap. We have to go pursue it. We have to go get it. It's the principal thing. And in all you're getting, get understanding. We've also talked about several weeks, we've, uh, uh, we've talked about how Jesus is the wisdom of God. The message of the cross is the wisdom of God. So because we know that, because we've already taught on that, I spent several hours teaching that, anytime I see wisdom now, I see, let's go get Jesus. Let's go pursue Jesus. Jesus, the gospel, is the principal thing. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. I've also talked about how there's two kinds of wisdom now. There's the wisdom of man, or the wisdom of the world, and there's the wisdom of God. They're both wise. They both have a, have a, a, a taste of wisdom, if I can put it that way. But one is sensual, earthly, demonic, and the other one is actually, it's from above, it's, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's full of mercy, without hypocrisy, without partiality, and it's from above. I want to operate in the wisdom of God, and, uh, and so I want to pursue wisdom. With that, uh, and, and, um, let's, let's uh, scroll up. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm lost in my notes here. Um, put the wrong passage down. Okay, let's go. Maybe, maybe I just have the wrong translation. Excuse me, one second. There it was. It was right underneath it. Excuse me. I'm, I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, why? Where, why am I not missing this? Okay. Uh, verse 8. It also says, exalt her. So let me read the context again. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, give wisdom. And with all thy giving, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote thee. And she will bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. We, not only do we need to pursue wisdom, not only do we need to pursue the wisdom of God, but we also need to exalt the wisdom of God. We need to, verse 8, we need, at the end of verse 8, we need to embrace the wisdom of God. I don't want to just know the wisdom of God intellectually. I want to embrace it. And we, I spent a couple of hours talking about how we need, uh, part of the wisdom of God is the way that we're going to get the wisdom of God, the way we're going to get the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, which are two of the pillars that we're talking about, is we have to have a relationship with God. The Christianity is not about the mechanics. It's not being mechanical. It's not just knowing the scriptures and different things and trying to create a formula in, that, in, a, in a mechanical way. But it is relational. And with every relationship, there needs to be intent. With any relationship, if you're just going through the motions, if you're not embracing it, if you're not pursuing it, if your heart's not in it, you're only going to get what you put, put into it. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. and, it, and if you try that in a marriage, you try that in any relationship, it's not, it's, you're going to lose the benefits of that relationship. They're there. They're... They're potentially there. 
but you need to put something into that relationship. That goes on all levels. Parenting, employee, employee, employer relationship. You can go through the motions, you can do, you can show up, you can do your job, but if unless you embrace it, I mean, there's been times I've had jobs, I didn't like the job, I hated the job, but I'm here. And I can either be here and be miserable, or I can, why I'm here, I can then make the best of it. And, 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 and make an impact. And be, and not just be a good employee, but be a good employee. And enjoy it. Enjoy my job. I might hate the job. I might even hate, hate that business and what we're selling and what we're doing. As long as it's not illegal, unethical, immoral, or whatever, then I can still embrace it. And, uh, and, and, and to do it unto the Lord. Uh, but, but, and then have a relationship and, and, and honor my, my boss. Honor my employer. Honor the owner of the business. Honor my coworkers and whatnot. And, uh, and whatnot. And so... Um, we need to embrace the wisdom of God. I believe when we when he says, especially when he says, wisdom is principle, they therefore get wisdom. When we have, and, 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 and in this relationship with the Lord, and I'm, I'm using this all the introductory as we get into what I want to get to this morning, is that when we do that, when we pursue the Lord, in that last few weeks I've talked a lot about fearing the Lord, which means to respect God and have a relationship with God. We position ourselves to, uh, to allow God and His wisdom, His nature, to flow in us, to flow through us. Um, it, to me, it's one way of picturing it, just putting myself under, under the faucet of His presence, His wisdom. I don't know about you, but there have been times, even in a, in a professional way, when I meet someone who's just full of wisdom and knowledge, successful. I just want to sit with them. There's been sometimes in business where I've, I've taken some other business people out to lunch, paid the bill, and just let them talk. You know, uh, I, I'm not asking for anything that's confidential. I'm not asking for anything that's personal. I just want them to give some wisdom, some knowledge, and just how they maybe they conduct themselves or some of the, the key points of their, uh, of their, just their principles that they live by. And whatnot. I just want to glean that from them. It could be a parent. It could be a pastor. I've done that with pastors, many pastors through the years. Just let them talk and let them speak into my life. But I also, want, more importantly, I want the Lord to speak into my life. I want to glean from His wisdom. As Andrew would teach, we can learn by hard knocks. Even life, even our mistakes can be a point where we can learn some wisdom. You know what, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> that didn't work. I don't want to go through this whole turmoil again. You know, we learned some things. But some of the people who have been the wisest people have learned what they've learned because they've also experienced some of that. And I can learn from their, <laughs> their trial and error. Right. Or I can, I can experience the trial and error with it too. Uh, I'd, rather learn, I'd rather do it that way. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to have my own experiences. But I want to learn. I want to glean from God. And... And we also talked a lot about, in a few weeks past, we talked a lot about discipline and learning and instruction. I don't care what vocation it is. I don't care if it's a sport. If you're going to, or whatever, a hobby, if you are going to be good at anything, you're going to have to learn discipline. It's impossible, uh, even as children, to 
be successful in life if they have not learned discipline. I'm not talking about punishment. Punishment deals with the past. Discipline deals with the future. And I'm not just talking about discipline as far as chastening, although that can apply. Just being a disciplined student. Just be, the word discipline and discipleship are very close in the Greek the original language. And you show me someone who's disciplined, disciplined in their life, and, and uh, the way they think, the way they conduct themselves. Uh, they're just, they're, 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 there's an order to it. There's a, there's a principle to it. There's a, there's a system to it. Uh, they, they, you know, there's a time for play, and there's a time, time to play golf. There's a time to enjoy things. There's a time to, to and there's a season for that. And, and that's part of discipline, too. That's one thing I, there's some people, I mean, uh, Lawson Purdue talks about this a lot. There's some people who you just need to motivate them to get to do anything. And there's some people like Lawson and I where you have to motivate us to stop doing some things and take, a, and take some time and smell the roses. I'm one of those people. And where I, I, I can go, 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 go. I love working hard. I love doing things. And, but then there's sometimes I have to learn how to discipline myself and take a day off. You know, and, and, and I, I'm not saying that's always good. It's good that I work hard, but it's also important and vital. I have to actually schedule it. I actually have to put it on the calendar. I have to remind myself the days are day off. I have to remind myself. But, and it's not just for HR purposes or that type of thing, but it's, just, it's important. It's vital. If I'm going to be productive the other six days of the week, five days a week. If I'm going to be productive, if I'm, if I'm not going to burn out the candle on both ends and have nothing to offer, i got to recharge. And I have been different things. And so there's a discipline in that. And, uh, uh, and uh, there's, I want to be taught of the Lord. I want to be taught of His wisdom. I want to learn from Him. Does this make sense? I'm, taught, I'm, I'm talking a lot of generics right now, but I've been teaching them along these lines the last few weeks. Go with me real quick to Luke chapter 2. Just a couple days before as we uh, transition this whole message into another direction. And we know the scene, I'm going to go back to the New King James. The scene is Jesus, the, uh, Jesus got separated from his parents and, and, and they, they, you know, in a sense, they lost him. <laughs> they lost, they lost their son. Yeah, you know, uh, today, in some places, if you lose your kid, they're probably out there, depending on what maybe what gender they are. They might be skateboarding, uh, video games, probably on the phone somewhere, and whatnot. Jesus, though, when he gets he gets lost, he's he's he's, he's in the synagogue. He's he's uh, uh, and uh, you can almost hear that. Is is I, I just see him as a kid, almost even a teenager. Uh, in his response here. But he said to them, his parents, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Did you know that if, you, if I, we get separated, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm just GPS. I'm just going to go right to the, my father's house. That's where you're going to find me. Yeah. You know? And uh, there's, there's some people, you just know where to find them. I mean, if all else fails, that's where they're going to be. I'm either in my office or in the kitchen. Those are two two rooms I visit a lot. Okay, and I don't need I don't need the table. I just just just, just give me a fork. I don't, sometimes I don't even need that. You know, just, uh, 
But then verse 50, but they did not understand the statement for, uh, which he spoke to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus increased was, was in wisdom and stature with God and man. There's a lot in just that verse right there. But if Jesus can grow and increase in wisdom, you and I can grow and increase in wisdom. If Jesus needed to grow, we need to grow. And we can grow in wisdom. I used to teach this years ago, but I, I think the moment we stop growing, the moment we stop pursuing the Lord, we start going backwards. There's really no middle ground. Either you're going forward or you're going backwards. You will gravitate to the natural man. You will gravitate to the natural way of thinking. And if you're not, if you're not careful, you will gravitate to the way the world thinks, the way society thinks. The natural man thinks, a carnal way. You will, I don't know about you, but there's times when I'm not in the Lord, or even when I'm in the Word and different things, and I'm in the Word all the time, but sometimes, uh, but sometimes in the moment I, I'm in the Word, but I'm not applying the Word. Sometimes, but sometimes a situation can come and whatnot. I mean, you're, talk, you're talking about, you know, just uh, witnessing a, a car accident and different things, but sometimes something trauma can happen or something can happen, and now I, I'm already on a, now I'm on a different mindset, I'm on a different track, my emotions are involved with that, and I, and, 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 and almost in an instant, I'm on a totally different realm, I'm in a totally different mindset, and, uh, and if I don't, I'm not careful to get back into his presence, to get back into the things of God, I can stay there. I can park there for a while. I can be there. And I and, uh, hope I'm making sense with that. I'm not just talking about one incident, but I just, yeah. but we have to, I'm trying to paint a picture. We need to pursue the Lord. We need to have a relationship with the Lord. And that happens with any relationship. You know, and that's where sometimes even marriages get some problems where, I don't know the year or whatever, but when the, the, the relationship becomes comfortable, sometimes the dating stops. And sometimes the special things stop where, you know, you stop getting to know the person. I don't know about you, but uh, none of us know the Lord fully. We are continuing to grow in that relationship with the Lord to get to know Him. Same thing with my wife. Same thing with our spouses. Our spouses. We're still getting to know each other. Just, I mean, even after 19 years of marriage, maybe this year, we're still getting to know each other. And there's still things like, I didn't know that. And I don't know about you, but I remember back in the early days, that was part of the, the adventure and the excitement about a relationship is getting to know the person. And, uh, and even when you have a new friendship, and, and we have new friendships or people, the first thing we start to do is start to get to know that person. Or get to know them or whatever. And that's part of the fun of the relationship is getting to know each other. And to getting to know and then and, and and once we once that stops though, the relationship stops growing. It becomes stale. It becomes uh, I mean in a sense it becomes boring. Uh, in that sense. And and I hope I'm making sense with this, but it's just I don't want my relationship with the Lord. Some people just have the mindset, I know it all. I know I know about God. 
I don't know about you, but I don't know everything there is. And uh, every time I read a verse, and even some of my favorite verses, I see a new aspect I haven't seen before. There's wisdom in God, and the moment we stop growing, it, this happens in the business world. Once you, you know, once you are, you, you can have a business. You can be an entrepreneur. You can have a business, and once you get to a level, you feel like you know that business. If you don't keep growing your business, if, and especially in our society with technology and marketing and different things, by the time you get it down, it changes. Marketing changes. The, the, the industry changes. Society changes. And if you're not keeping up, you'll get into old, what they call old school, and the, the new ones will pass you by. Kind of like your, your son. The son, they even see them coming. You won't even see your competitors coming. You have to keep growing and working on your business. And I'm just using some natural things to, to illustrate with our relationship with God. We need to grow this relationship with God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be rich and, 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 and deep and, 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 and uh, I want to embrace her. I want to, to have a relationship with God. I want to be like Jesus where I increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and also with men so that we can be effective. Now, we'll, we'll find as we get a little deeper into this section of the series that being the wisdom of God is not popular. We'll find out that the wisdom of God is not politically correct. And we'll find out that the wisdom of God is not always the, 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 the most popular thing out there. And, and the wisdom of, actually the, the world calls it foolishness. The wisdom of God. We've seen that in the weeks past when we were talking about Corinthians. They call it foolishness. We even talked about last week, we read our verse out of Proverbs, they call it an abomination. The world thinks of the wisdom of God being the fear of the Lord, being moral, being righteous, uh, is, is foolishness. And our society is attacking a lot of the, the, the wisdom of God today. They don't want the word of God. They don't want the fear of God. They don't want the wisdom of God. They want, and, and so and, uh, in these last days, we need the wisdom of God to be able to discern between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God, to operate in the wisdom of God. That makes sense? We need that. And we need to teach it to our kids. We need to teach it, uh, we, need it we need to be taught ourselves. A lot of this what I'm talking about so far has been what my heartbeat and what I've been sharing the last few weeks. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. And we'll, we'll figure out verse 1. Proverbs 9, verse 1. And his wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. And she has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. And she cries out from the highest places in the city. Whoever is simple, let her him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness, and live, and go in the way of understanding. We'll stop there. Now. It says, Wisdom, verse 1 again, has built her house, and she has hewn out her seven pillars. We're going to look at that in the remainder of the weeks as we get finished the series. And we're going to go there in just a moment. 
and she has hit off seven pillars. Let me, let me look at these seven pillars. The last few weeks, though, I've spent a lot of time talking about the fear of the Lord. And we, we have established the point that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, the fear of the Lord is the foundation. We're going to talk about the seven pillars. But the seven pillars are built on the foundation of the fear of the Lord. Having a respect for God. Having awe of God. Honoring God. Having a relationship with God. And it goes on to say, beginning in verse 2 and 3 and beyond, that wisdom is the same language that we've been talking about throughout this series, that wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is inviting people to come into the banquet. God, Jesus, is always inviting people to come in. Wisdom is here. Wisdom is crying out. The wisdom of God is crying out. I know there's two different kinds of wisdom, but the wisdom of God is crying out. It's, in other words, it's not hard to find in one sense. But And, and let me just say this, and we're going to look at this a little more intently in in later, and I don't know if we'll get to it today. But in James chapter 1, God's, God, through James, says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give him generously. In other words, God is not hiding from us if we won't want to embrace her. Wisdom is not hard to find if we want it. All we have to do is ask from God. And also, in this context, the writer Solomon is talking a lot about the bread and the wine, and I just want to tie this in real quick as we get into the pillars. But how many of you know that Jesus said, and Jesus said this in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. I am the man that came from heaven. And, 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 and he shed his blood, the wine for us. And what I'm trying to paint a picture is we get into the seven pillars of wisdom. I don't want to get so much into, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But I'm going to be talking about wisdom. I'm going to be talking about some practical things. Uh, but it's built on the foundation of the cross. It's found on the foundation of the finished work of the cross. We've already established in this series, that's why I did this in this order, that the, the message of the cross is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom and power of God. We're not deterring away from that. We're, we're, we're building this house on the foundation of the fear of the Lord. That, am I making sense? And, then, and, and it's crying out to us. But how many of you know that it also says in Psalm 34, verse 8, that taste and see that the Lord is good. There's so much I could expound on that right there. <laughs> taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, we, uh, back in 2004, uh, Sherry and I had some challenges, and the Lord gave us a word, and we actually posted it on our wall, uh, rest in my goodness, and I'll take care of everything. And uh, the last couple of years, we've going, been going through some things. In pockets of time, it's, it's been hard, uh, just even emotionally, to deal with some of the things that we've done. But the, the, I don't forget, I don't remember what night it was this week, but we were just we were laying on the floor playing the game, playing a card game, and all of a sudden the Lord reminded me of that, that word. You know, and, and it's easy to get into, even not just so much fear, but get caught up in the drama and the emotion of things. And we all have things that we go through and face. But God just reminded me, rest in my goodness. Mm. If that's wisdom. Mm -hmm. Rest in his goodness. Be at peace in his goodness. Because it's his goodness will take care of everything. Whatever you're going through. 
whatever you're facing, whatever's coming out against you. Rest in His goodness, and He will take care of everything. That's wisdom. Rest into the, the come to the bread of life. He's the bread of life. He's the manna that came down from heaven. His, his, his cup, his, he shed his blood for us that we can experience the life of God, the wisdom of God. And because um, it goes on to say in verse 6, it says, forsake foolishness. The New Living Translation says it this way, leave your simple ways behind. In other words, he's saying in this verse, learn to live. Learn to live. If you will, if you will, if you will learn these pillars, if you will learn the wisdom of God, if you will learn my ways, says the Lord, you will learn to live as God has ordained your life to live. I don't know if that means anything to you, but I, I don't want to just live my life the way I think it should go. I don't want to live my life the way I think society tells me it should go. I want God the one that created me. God the one that designed me. And the, 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 the design, how it's supposed to work. You ever get something, buy something, a computer, a car, a toy, and it just doesn't seem to operate the way you think it should go? And maybe it's because you're not using it right, you're not doing it right, you never read the instructions, <laughs> how it's supposed to work. And, I'll, and everyone, every once in a while I'll get something and, and I'll, I'll pick up the instructions, oh, that's why it wasn't working. Because I didn't, wasn't using it the way it's supposed to work. The wisdom of God. God has built a house. We are the house of God. Paul talks about this in Corinthians. He talks about in Hebrews. We are the house of God. We've been bought with a price. We are the house of God. Not made with hands. <coughs> but we've been made by the Spirit of God. God has designed this life to work. God has designed the church to work. And if we will listen to his wisdom, these pillars of wisdom, this life will work as it was designed to work. But our ways outside, outside the wisdom of God are foolishness to the Lord. Just bring you back to one more scripture before we get to the pillars. It's Proverbs chapter 3, and we've been here before. I want to go to verse 7. Uh, we'll, we'll pick up verse 5 because we know it that way. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding or your own wisdom. In some of your ways, acknowledge Him. No, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And He might direct your paths. He will direct your paths. Verse 7, I'm loving this verse more and more. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's what we get in trouble. But fear the Lord, as we've been talking about the last few weeks. And depart from evil, as I talked last week. It will be health to your flesh, and it will be strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, and the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will come with new wine. I, I teach that a lot when I talk about tithing and, and, uh, and finances. My son, do not despise the chastening or discipline of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is a man who finds wisdom, and a man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. 
Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who hope take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. We spent a lot of weeks, a lot of time in the last few weeks going over these verses uh, in this in this passage. Some at different times, I've just read it all together in one context. But there's a lot of benefits of the wisdom of God. But we won't gain those benefits if we're wise in our own eyes. We won't gain those benefits if we don't embrace her and 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 and, and, and let her teach us. And, and when I talk about letting her teach us, let her discipline us and how we go. You know, a coach when a coach is teaching an athlete, an Olympian, or in any any sport, one one besides teaching them the skill of the sport and the work as a team. Also, the coach will also will deal with any bad habits a player or even a team has. He'll deal with those with bad habits. He'll discipline them because he wants to break those bad habits. He wants to break that the way, that way of thinking, that way of functioning because they're not going to win that way. They're not going to function that way. And any good coach, if you disrespect the coach, he'll make you, he'll discipline you. You'll run laps. You do bear crawls. You do whatever. You will learn to respect the coach. Because otherwise, he can't coach you. He can't lead you. He can't guide you. When you need him on the sidelines, he won't be there. Because you have already learned not to listen to him. But you need to learn to listen to the coach. Well, God is going to discipline us so we listen to him. Not to hurt us. Not to break us. But he is our master. He is our savior, yes. But he's also our Lord. He's our master. He's our father. He's going to discipline us. Anyone who's not disciplined, anyone who's not spanked, is not a child of God. He loves us. Not to injure us, but to teach us, to guide us, to instruct us, so that <coughs> he can build this house, this house of wisdom, so that this house can glorify him and be effective in this generation. I want to be effective. I want the church to be effective, but I need to be disciplined by him, listening to him, have a relationship with him, and do what he says so that I can be effective and that his, it will work. Mm -hmm. That making sense? Mm -hmm. Everything I just described is also called the fear of the Lord. It's respecting him. You know, we've heard this message of grace, and I embrace it, we teach it, but we've also lost sometimes of doing what he says. The, 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 the grace of God will teach us to deny in Godness. The grace of God will, love, will teach us to listen to him so that his, his grace can operate in our lives. We can't earn the grace of God, but if we don't listen and respect the grace of God, it won't work. That makes sense? We can't earn it, but we do have to operate in it. Hopefully that make it sense. And one example of that is healing. God says, by his stripes we are healed. We are healed by his grace. I can't heal anybody in the flesh. But if I don't hear his word and apply his word, lay hands on the sick and so they recover, if I don't pray for the sick, if I don't believe in the gospel, if I don't trust what he says about healing, instead I trust the doctor. The doctor says I'm going to die. The doctor says I'm going to do this. Do that. I'm not talking about disrespecting doctors. I love doctors. They're awesome. At the same point in time, if the word of God contradicts what the doctor says, 
then I'm going to honor God. No disrespect to the doctor, but I'm honoring God. And I'm going to believe God. Does that make sense? And that's the fear of the Lord. That's respecting and honoring Him. I'm not here to disrespect anybody, but I am going to honor my God, and I'm going to receive my healing. I mean, one of the ways I do respect some, sometimes the society, they call it flu season. Well, I, I, that's not my vocabulary. I don't believe in flu season, and I don't participate in flu season. I rebel against flu season. I have never gotten the flu for several years since at least 2009. I haven't got the flu. Why? Because I stopped believing that. Yeah. And I stopped, I, I boycotted blue season. I believe in health season. I believe in divine health. I believe I'm healed and whole. Anytime, anytime uh, 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 my immune system feels weak, I, I get the Lord and I get some orange juice. The orange juice is not my God. I'm not trusting the orange juice, but I'm building up my immune system in that way. And it, it works. I haven't been sick since 2009. I don't think the orange juice is the key. I think it helps. Uh, but I just refuse to, 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 to get sick. And so, and it, it doesn't, I, I need to use that same philosophy, if you will, that way of thinking the philosophy of God, the way of God, in other areas of my life. It's calling submit to God and resisting the devil until flee. I, I hate sickness the same way I hate any sin. I'm going to resist it. I'm going to be like Joseph with Potiphar's wife. I'm going to run from it. I'm going to get out. I'm not going to sit around talking about it. I'm getting out of the house. Same thing with sickness. Same thing with any kind of sickness. I need to get out of it. And, and so, uh, if we will trust the Lord, trust His Word, and allow Him to build this house, we will be functional and we will be effective and we will operate in the things of God. Does that make sense so far? Okay, let's go to the pillars of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1. He labels it as in Proverbs chapter 9, as we already read. But then he listed them here in Proverbs chapter 1. And we'll pick it up at verse 2. Let me read some context here, and then we'll, then I'll, I'll, I'll uh, highlight the seven pillars. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, Receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give prudence to the supple, to a young man's knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Understand a proverb and an enigma, I'm pronouncing that right, and the words of the wise and their riddles. Let's go ahead and read verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, there's a lot here, but what I want to do real quick is just kind of introduce you, first of all, to the seven pillars, and then I want to make some, make some comments here. The first one we're going to see, and we'll see in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. First of all, okay, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Understanding is one of those pillars. Okay? 
Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, is our second one. Judgment is our third one. And inequity, number four. To give prudence to the, to the, to the simple, and actually I want to toggle real quick to the King James. It's going to use a word that I want. To give sub, subtlety, subtlety, number five. Okay, look at that. I know that's going to surprise you because we think of being subtle in the negative sense. We're going to bring that out in the positive sense. To the simple. And to the young man, knowledge. That's number six. And discretion is number seven. Okay. Now, I know I listen to them in the, in the way that they're a pair of scripture. I'm going to teach them in this way, though. I'm going to teach uh, knowledge first. I'm going to teach about understanding second. I gotta teach about a just uh, judgment third, justice fourth, and equity, and then uh, discretion, and then last subtlety. Uh, it's just easier to teach it that way and not in that way. So it'll, it'll make more sense as we get into some of the teaching. But those are the seven pillars that we're gonna be we'll, we'll be looking at. Um, so again, they're listed on our uh, listed order. I'm gonna teach it is knowledge. Understanding, judgment, justice, equity, discretion, and subtlety. We'll be looking at that way. But I want to point out a couple of different things. I've already kind of spoken in a lot of these lines. But verse 2 says, To know wisdom and instruction. To receive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom. Both, both verses 2 and 3 talk about this instruction of wisdom. And we've talked about this in length. I've already talked about it a little bit this morning. But a few weeks ago, we talked about this in, from 2 Timothy chapter 3. But let me just make this statement. There is no wisdom independent of instruction. You cannot have wisdom unless you are receive instruction. You need it must be instruction. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All, all scripture is, is, is inspired by God, is powerful for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness. We need to be instructed that the man of God may be fully equipped for every good work. I can tie it all this right back into the New Testament along those lines. Um, I'm just trying to get some, some notes out of the way, then we'll get into some, some of these pillars. Also, it says in verse 6, I just want to highlight something here. Verse 6, it says, I'm to understand a proverb and the interpretation of the wise the words of the wise and their dark, it says, it, the King James calls it dark sayings. The New King James and other translations call it riddles. Let me just say this, what, what do I mean by dark sayings? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> and what does it mean by riddles? Is God trying to play games with us? Is he playing mind tricks with us? No, that's not how God's working. But let me just say this, that the, the wisdom of God is hidden from the world. We talked about that. Two weeks ago in Corinthians. One of the reasons why the wisdom of God is hidden from the world, and we talked about this in Corinthians, if Satan had knew the wisdom of God, he would never have crucified the man. He would never have crucified Christ. It was hidden from from Satan on purpose. Because if, the, if Satan and the religious leaders knew what they were doing and crucified Christ, which is the cornerstone of our of Christianity, if Satan knew that that was the wisdom of God, they would never have done it. But even so, the wisdom is hidden from the natural man. 
Bible says in I think it's Corinthians that the, 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 the natural man does not cannot receive the things of God. They're not spiritually discerned. But the the, 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 the let me just say it this way again, the, the wisdom is hidden from the world. It's clouded from the those who are rebellious. It's hidden from the masses. It's not the popular opinion. It's veiled, it's hidden from those who are foolish. You know, if, you, if, you, if you read the book of Proverbs, you'll see where the writer of Solomon will talk, call, you know, he'll talk about the wise man versus the fool. And you're either one or the other. You're either a fool or you're wise. And obviously the fool is not wise. He's, he, he, and and uh, again, I've already touched on the Corinthians called the, the natural man can't understand the things. Paul says in Romans that to be naturally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The natural man doesn't understand the ways of God, the wisdom of God. And we're going to find this in, as we get into some of these pillars, not so much today, perhaps, but some of the other ones that we get to some of them, especially judgment and different things, that they're not the popular opinion. And they're not politically correct. And in many ways, they're an abomination to the world. What they believe is in many ways an abomination to us. And so there's, there's enmity between God or the wisdom of God and the wisdom of, the, of man and the wisdom of the world. And I've already quoted this, but, and, but a, let's go there real quick, though. Matthew chapter 7. Again, I'm just setting the stage for where I want to go to with this whole seven pillars. But it says, in Matthew seven thirteen. I'm going to toggle back to the New King James. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, which leads to life, and there are few who find it. We're going to see this as we go forward. Especially on some of these pillars, as we start to unravel them, that it's not the popular opinion. And we're seeing this more and more in our society today to be moral, to do right, to honor God, to honor His Word, to fear the Lord is not popular. It's not politically correct. And most of the persecution that is going on in our world today. And it's increasing even in our society. It's going out to persecute, to prosecute, and to even execute Christians who embrace the word of God, the wisdom of God. And in these last days, we need the wisdom of God. Not only for our own lives, but also for our children and to be effective in this world. Does that make sense? That's one, I keep saying that because that, in my heart, that's one of the reasons I believe I got to put this whole message on my heart so that we, that I as a pastor can teach things so that we can be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in this evil age. That makes sense? The days are getting, you just look, you just read the news. You just go on Facebook. People are quoting the news. 
All right, but they're bashing. They're here and bashing that. The days are evil and they're getting darker. But how many of you know that we are not? We have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness, and we have been conveyed into the kingdom of His dear Son. We are the children of the light. And uh, uh, we are so backwards in our society, and even much of the church today. So we don't understand how perverse we are. We don't have the wisdom of God. I'm not saying everyone, I'm not painting everybody with this brush. But Jesus said this many times, and we'll even look at this in my next series a little bit. Let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Okay? It says in 1 Corinthians 1 30, uh, I'm not going to say I turn to there, but it says that God has made Jesus wisdom to us. Jesus is our wisdom. A lot of what we're going to be talking about, even in these seven pillars, Jesus operated in these seven pillars. Jesus And Jesus is in us. We are the house of God. His pillars have built his house. Well, we are the house of God. We've been bought with a price. And it's where his spirit dwells. And, 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 and any time we flow in the spirit of God, these pillars are working in our lives. I believe they're working in our now, one thing we're going to notice about these pillars that they work in harmony. It's not just, if you have pillars to a house, you can't just knock off one pillar. You can't knock off three pillars. The, the house comes down. You need to operate in all seven. Now, when I say when we're going to operate in anything, a lot of people think I'm talking about performance. I'm not talking about performance to gain salvation, but because we have salvation, I want the Spirit of God to operate in my life. Jesus operated in these seven pillars and operating wisdom. In other words, I'm also teaching too that if we, as we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The opposite of these pillars would be to operate in the flesh. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. It would be to be wise in our own eyes. Okay? That making sense? Mm -hmm. right. So we, we good? So what I want to do with the remainder of time I have left, I have about Wait more minutes. I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm spend a little bit of time with each one, but then starting next week with each pillar, but then starting next week I'm gonna go into more detail with each one. Uh, I won't take a whole hour for each one, but some of them I'll take a longer period of time depending on which pillar we're talking about. But uh, and I'm, I'm gonna go in the order that we're, we're gonna go. We're gonna start talking about knowledge uh, in a little bit. Okay. The reason I start with knowledge, even though it's number seven listed in Proverbs chapter one, you can't get understanding without knowledge. You need knowledge first. You can't have understanding without knowledge, but uh, it, it doesn't work. And so it's easier to teach knowledge first, so we can get into talk, talk about understanding. I believe that all wisdom is found in the knowledge of God. You can't have wisdom without the knowledge of God. You need to have the knowledge of God. You need to have Him. And um, there's so many scriptures I'm going to go into a lot of these next week. But you should know the truth. And the truth will set you free. We need to know the truth. The truth can't set you free if you don't know it. That makes sense? You need to know God. And, and, so, and so wisdom begins with the knowledge of God. It begins with the fear of the Lord. It begins with respect in Him. 
And in one sense, none of us will arrive, and, and let me just say this about all these pillars, none of us will arrive when we are masters of all seven. That makes sense. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're not growing in wisdom and stature with man, God and man. Does that make sense? None of us will have a ride where we're now mastering all seven. But my, my heart in this is that we can uh, be illuminated and be aware of these so that God can work these seven pillars in our lives and begin working in that area. Because none of us have a ride yet. None of us have a ride where we're masters or anything. Um, let me go to the understanding. <clears throat> Once I have the knowledge of God, Understanding is a proper application, our interpretation, our implementation of that knowledge. I want to say it again. Understanding is the proper application of that knowledge. It's also the proper interpretation of that knowledge. It's also it, it, our proper implement. I can't get the word out. Implementation of that knowledge. Too many syllables for me. Okay, of that knowledge. Some of these words are going to sound very wise, even though I can't pronounce them. Let me just, I want to go, I keep coming back to the scripture in my mind. But Matthew, go with me real quick to Matthew 13. In our last series, when we were talking about the kingdom of God, we spent a lot of time in Matthew 13, and I want to just pick it up in verse 23 right now. I'm not going to read the whole parable of the sower. I want to read the last verse, actually. And it says, but he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word. All other, remember there's four kinds of soil. There's a wayside, there's a stony soil, there's a thorny soil, and then there's a good soil. All four of them heard the word. But only the good soil understood it. And who indeed bears fruit and produces some by hundredfold, so sixty and some thirty. That behooves us to not only hear the word, and in context, in between giving the parable and explaining the parable, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about we need to hear. Let him who has ears let him hear what the Spirit says. He said that in verse 9 in this parable, uh, in this passage. My heart as a pastor is that we not only hear the word, but we also understand it. Because uh, that's key. That's key between this seed. We have the grace. We, that the seed is the wisdom of God. It is the grace of God. But I, my heart is that the seed will work. The seed will produce. And it's, we, I mean, you know, we don't have to understand everything to receive Christ. But now that we receive Christ, we want to understand more of who we are in Christ so that who we are in Christ can work and manifest. I'm not saying we have to become masters, but God has. God has not called us to make converts. God has called us to make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a pupil, is an apprentice, is someone who is learning the things of God. For any trade. So there's always an entry point where you start where you don't know anything, hardly. And see, that's how a lot of our colleges are designed. A lot of our colleges are designed to give you knowledge. But there are a lot of people who graduate from colleges but don't have the understanding how to apply that knowledge. And if, I know I was that way. I, I went to, uh, uh, after Bible college, I went to get my accounting degree. 
our accounting certificate, actually, uh, as a computerized accounting, I graduated valedictorian. That tells me, as far as a GPA, I was the highest in my class. And so it was an honor to be able to give a speech and different things and whatnot. But just because I was valedictorian didn't mean I knew how to do it, how to apply all that knowledge in the real world. And I was encouraged by my teacher, professors, and other people to, to open and start my own business. And I said, that sounds great, but you didn't tell me anything about starting a business. You didn't tell me how to run a business. You taught me how to do bookkeeping and accounting. So I had to go get a degree in that if I'm going to do this, unless you're going to teach me how to run it. So I even took another online course, because this course not only specialized in teaching accounting, which I had to go through that whole process again, and I did, but at the end of that course, they, they were teaching you how to become your own entrepreneur in the field of accounting. And that's where I gleaned. That's where I didn't know how to, to run it. And there I was gleaning some of the nuts and bolts of how to start my own business. And so now, even then, I was getting some knowledge and some understanding. But then I, then I just began to take some, some business people and I started getting involved in the, the Chamber of Commerce and Ukaipa. And I just started, and they asked me to be on their board, their executive board, as the accountant. Like, okay, I got my first job. I don't get paid for this one, but I, <laughs> I got my first job. So now, now I'm meeting all these businesses, and I'm on the board, but chamber. You know, that, that is an honor to be in that type of position. But I didn't have hardly any clients yet, <laughs> you know. And so I started taking a, a bunch of business people just to get to know their business. I'm on the chamber. So I'm just here just to, to support you. I was, but I also was taking mental notes. How to run a business. How, how are you successful? How did you get to where you are? How, and part of my heart was, how can I help you? But in many ways, they were the teacher. They were teaching me. And I began to learn, take some notes. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Stay away from that. I'm going to do this. And when I try, I got some knowledge. But I'm also trying to get some understanding. And I've learned some things through the years. And, uh, and uh, that making sense? And uh, um, understanding. We'll, 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 we'll tackle this a lot more deeper as we go into understanding. People, so, let me just say, paint the picture anyway. Some people have gone to church all their lives. 30, 40, 50 years. They have a lot of knowledge of them. But they didn't know how to apply that knowledge in their lives. And my heart is not just to teach theology. There's a, there's a place for that. All scriptures proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. But I, uh, I want to also give people an opportunity. I want to train people. I'm, my job is to make disciples of all nations. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so there's going to be some on-the-job training, so to speak. Um, but some people have gone to church all their lives. They hear the word, but it, for some people, it hasn't changed their lives. It doesn't, they're still living like the world. They're still thinking like the world. They're still operating like the world. They're still struggling like the world. I'm not saying that to condemn or put anyone down. That's not my heart and all that. But the Bible says we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. 
I can draw this out. We are supposed to be distinguished among the people. But most of the, the church today, you can't distinguish them if they didn't tell you. I don't like, I don't even like going around introducing myself as a pastor. I, I, not because I disrespect the position in the office. I, I'm not embarrassed by being a pastor. But I don't, I, don't, I don't want to necessarily advertise that's who I am so that they treat me differently out of just because, I, and they treat me differently out of respect. And I, I, and I appreciate and I, I respect the respect. But I want them to be genuine. I want them to be real. I don't want them to be offended or, or even uh, uncomfortable because of my position. I want to, because this goes right to what I've been talking about later, subtlety. Not because I'm trying to, to have a, uh, be I'm honest, but I just want to be real with them. As Paul says, we'll get into this later, not to the Jew, become the Jew, the win the Jew, to the Greek, become the Greek, to win the Greek. Not that I'm going to participate in any of their evil, if that were to be the case. Not that I'm going to necessarily uh, submit myself to the law like the Jews would. But to a certain degree, I'm going to become a Jew through one to two. And I just want to associate with them, as Jesus did with the publicans and sinners. Not condoning their behavior, not participating in their behavior, but to have an effectiveness to relate with them and connect with them. And treat them like a person, like a human. Treat them with respect and dignity and honor so that I hope I can win them to Christ. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. I get a little ahead of myself, but I don't want just knowledge. I want to understand. And if I even introduce another pillar of subtlety of just how I can, in a sense, blend with the world, but not be in the world, not be of the world. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. um, we'll get into a lot, there's a lot more, but we'll deal with it. The one that we'll spend a lot more time on is the next one is judgment. This is a hard one. For people to understand, especially under grace. What do you mean we're supposed to judge? And there, you know, I believe there was a day when all, all these seven pillars were not offensive to people. This one, they can't tend to be very offensive to people. Today, we, these pillars, again, I probably talked about how this is a society. But we're going to deal with some questions about and the judgment. Some people think that we're not supposed to judge. Actually, when we're going to get into some scripture where Jesus tells us to judge, but he tells us how to judge and what to judge. And uh, now we're going to get into some of those popular questions. But even in the church today, people cringe when you, when you talk about judgment. But we need to judge. We need to discern. We need to make, up, make some decisions. Because that word judgment can also be used in another connotation of just making some sound decisions. But there are some things that we need to use what we call our righteous judgment. It's righteous, it's good. And, uh, and, and, and uh, I'm going to spend a lot of time with that one because I want to, uh, I'm going to let the scriptures do the talking. But there are some things that we need to allow, we need to judge. I'll just say it this way. There's some things that Paul, and a lot of the things that I'll be teaching on the, on the area of judgment will come from Paul's letters. Will, will come from Paul, the, the Apostle Grace, where he teaches us to judge within the church. 
God will judge the world. But there are some things that we need to, to handle and deal with within the church. And, uh, and, and I'm just talking about church discipline, even though we're high like that. Paul did it twice. Uh, I, I, we know the man who, who was uh, uh, sleeping with his mother-in-law. But also, he did another time, uh, uh, I don't have the scriptures in front of me, but Alexander and another guy, I forget his name, but they were preaching false doctrine. And he exercised church discipline on them as well. And so, I'm not, I'm not just talking about church discipline, but there's some things, and I'll talk about how we need to judge ourselves. I'm not talking, and when I talk about judgment, I'm not going to talk about being critical. I'm not going to talk about being condemning. That is not what we're talking about. But there's some things that we need to address. And but then I, we're also going to talk about when there's some things that we don't need to address that. We don't need to deal with that. And, and, we're, we're, and we need these pillars so we know when and when not to address some things. And we need that wisdom. We need that wisdom. And when you think about it, the person who's even writing this book, Solomon, the wisest man that, that we know outside of Christ, he was also a king of a very important nation. And he needed wisdom how to run his kingdom. But let us not forget that in Revelation chapter 5, Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, has made us to be kings and priests. And we need to learn how to rule and to manage his kingdom with wisdom. And uh, we need knowledge, we need understanding, but we also need to uh, learn how to use judgment. Good judgment, righteous judgment, godly judgment, wisdom that's from God. That makes sense? We're going to get into some of this. I, I, uh, if I get a chance, I'll spend a little bit more time with that, but I'm almost out of time. Because when I talk about judgment, you see, knowledge and understanding kind of go together, but judgment, justice, and equity go together too. Justice is uh, how uh, it is, uh, um, how can I just say this? Uh, Besides that, people don't understand justice today. But uh, one of the best ways I can describe justice is, I was actually going to bring it up on the screen real quick, but uh, even the, it would freeze up the time that I wanted to really use it. trying to bring up the, the symbol for justice. It was working earlier. It was freezing up on me now. Now it's upside down. We can go this way. We can get all four angles. All right. I'm not going to disturb that. We'll look at this next week. I'll get it working next week. But the symbol that they use for justice is a lady. And she's blind. She has a sword in one hand, some use a scroll, but most of them use a scroll. And the other one, she's carrying scales, the balance scale. And we'll, we'll look at all three of these elements of justice. I know these are, I mean, all the world symbols that they use today came from scripture. The medical symbol of the, the, the staff with the serpent around it. We know that comes from Moses. And, 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 and but the, the, it, it, it's called a blind justice. Where justice is not just, you know, it's not favoritism. It's, it's the same justice for all. It's fairness. 
which kind of goes with equity. Equity talks a lot about fairness, and and and, and it's it's our society today, our justice system today, does not judge on fairness. There's no equity in it. And when I talk about equity, we're not talking about the equity in your home. We're talking about fairness. We're talking about, and we need to help. We need to. Uh, it's hard to introduce these without getting into all these little, little, little detail. But all, and all three of these work together. We have we can't just focus on one. We have to focus on all all seven of these at one time. But the church, the world, our society has lost how to to exercise these with being just and, and, and equity. And I'm going to bring out scriptures this week. And just and what I'm trying to say is, if I open one door, I'm just going to open a whole can of worms on this. And I'm, I'm not going to finish. I'm actually almost out of time. Let me just finish with my list. Discretion. We need to learn discretion. We need to. We need. We need wisdom. We need to know when to speak, when not to speak, what to do, when not to do. We need discretion. And I'm going to spend a lot of time with discretion. I'm going to spend a lot of time with subtlety, which is probably going to be the, one of the hardest ones for people to digest. Because anytime we hear the word subtlety, we always hear it in a negative connotation. Satan was the most subtle of all. And Paul talks about subtlety in Corinthians, how, how the enemy beguiled Eve. It's the same type of word. Uh, but Jesus also made the statement in Matthew chapter 10 that we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And uh, he even says it uh, in the same context. He says, I send you a sheep among wolves. In other words, I send you a sheep in a dangerous place. Putting a sheep among wolves who can't defend themselves, who can't do anything with them, that's dangerous. That's like putting someone in a, in, a, in a den of lions. They can't defend themselves. You know, he said, I send you as sheep among wolves. The church today is sheep among wolves in our society. But we've seen this, I'm... I, We've seen this with Daniel. We've seen this with Joseph. We've seen this with Israel through the years. We've seen this with David and Goliath. We've seen we, we've seen this with, with the, the, the apostles and the Pharisees. We've seen this. This is not new. The, 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 the older son had always persecuted the younger son. The, 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 the Ishmael had always persecuted Isaac. It's always been that way. God said in Genesis chapter 3 that, that there will be imagery between the devil and your seed. This enmity will be until Jesus comes again. He's conquered the devil, but the devil has deceived the bride of Christ from knowing who they are. And that's why we need the wisdom of God, these seven pillars, including judge. If we don't understand judgment, going back to that one just for a moment, the enemy will walk all over us. <coughs> we need to know who we are. We need to know that the, the, the devil doesn't want us to know the knowledge of God, understanding. The devil doesn't want us to be subtle. Yeah, but if, if we're going to be effective, we need these seven pillars to be working our lives. I, I, again, I wish I had more time to go into all these, but that's why i got to spend some time on each one starting next week. Some of them I'll spend a little more longer than others. I won't exhaust each one, but I, gotta spend a, I want to spend some quality time with each one, so by the end of the study, you will understand where I'm coming from with all seven pillars. You understand more importantly where scripture is coming from. 
and all symptoms. That make sense? I couldn't do it justice today by going into each one thoroughly as I like to. But stay with stay with us. These teachings will be also on our archives, and probably even Dwayne Sheriff does a better job teaching some of these than I. You can go to his website and just type in wisdom, and he has he teaches the he teaches these in about six weeks, and I'm going to teach uh, probably go a little faster than he did. But he teaches a whole series on twelve weeks to teach all this. So they just. It's a very powerful teaching. So I'm gleaning a lot of this from his notes, as I said earlier. But I'm teaching because I want to know it. I want to learn it. I want to walk in it. I want to be able to communicate it better than I feel like I'm already communicating. And so I'm going through this exercise also for me, too. But I want this to become part of my DNA, in a sense. And, uh, and uh, um, you're going to see how Scripture talks about all seven of these in the New Testament. Okay, it's Old Testament as some examples. And some, and because all scripture is powerful for doctrine, for reproof, correction, training, righteousness. But uh, the main thing is, I'm gonna use the New Testament to validate and teach it from Paul. Because a lot of people think I'm straight away from grace. No, this is all about teaching us to operate in grace. And we're gonna teach how we are to judge with mercy and compassion. That's how we judge. And we're gonna teach that. And because we judge as we want to be judged. I don't know about you, but when I'm judged, I, de I definitely want mercy and compassion. I don't know about you, but when I'm judged, I want someone to hear my side of the story. I want to be heard. If we're, we're going to judge, we're going to judge the way that we want to be judged. And we're going to see some scriptures how, how Jesus tells us that how, how we're supposed to judge in the way that we want to be judged. In the measure that we will judge, we will be judged. And I don't know about you, but I, I want mercy and compassion. That doesn't mean we don't deal with some things. That doesn't mean we don't, there are not some consequences of things because we want to purge those things out of our lives. You know, if a child is running out in the street, especially with a busy street, you're going to discipline that. You don't want the child to keep running out there because it's dangerous. And, uh, and actually, in some ways, if we don't discipline, we actually, it's actually, in a one sense, it's hatred towards our kids. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to do them harm. And the same with a coach. A good coach is going to learn how to discipline his team, his athlete. So uh, I'm hoping this will be fruitful as we get to the end of this. My heart is that we would walk in the things of God. We would be wise uh, in this generation. Does that make sense? I'm hoping this doesn't come across as dry and deep. This is, not, this is meat. This is not milk. Uh, so it's a little, it's a little, uh, one sense you almost need to be mature enough to digest some of these things. Um, but at the same point in time, uh, we need them in this day. And so my, my, my heart, as we go to the, the deeper, I just presented to you a steak. My heart is to go into it and cut it up in some bite-sized pieces so we can digest this. But it takes, some, it takes a little while to cut a big steak. You know, so it just takes a while. So I'm gonna divide it in seven ways, and then I, yeah, so, and then even then I'm gonna try to dice it up a little bit so we can chew it. That makes sense. Yes. I and in the end we'll digest the whole steak, but we gotta take it one bite at a time. So okay, Lord, we worship you. We exactly we we exalt you. We magnify you. Lord, we want to be wise.
you you saw how Solomon asked for wisdom. Well, we asked for wisdom. And he said you would, if we asked, you would give it to us generously. Lord, my heart as a pastor, as a teacher, as a brother, is that we would all walk in wisdom. I want to walk in these things. And Lord, I, and and Lord, I just pray that you help me, give me the, the wisdom and the ability to articulate this in a way that can be understood and be profitable. We worship you. We magnify you. Help us in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen.